Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is Oh, so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash etm. Hey friends, Shauna here, and I cannot believe it, but Thanksgiving is literally right around the corner. So I wanted to bring you a reboot of one of our most popular episodes from last year, Friendsgiving, where I got to chat with Catherine Spires from the Smart Mouth Podcast and figure out the history behind the Thanksgiving meal. Why do we eat what we do? What are the traditions? All of that fascinating history and more in this Friendsgiving episode. Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Game. It will expand your brain. Thanksgiving 
Everything is a time to eat. Of course, I am the first person to line up with my plate. I am not shy. I love everything about the Thanksgiving meal. I typically don't eat carbs a lot of the time. I'm one of those low-carb people. But Thanksgiving, it is just all rules off the table. I load up my plate with every single imaginable carb. I don't care if I feel so full afterwards. I just love everything about Thanksgiving. I love hosting dinner parties and having people over. It's so much fun for me to find a complicated recipe and to kind of challenge myself around Thanksgiving. And then I love when people like it. Hopefully they like my cooking. And this year I'm in charge of dessert. And I thought rather than doing the traditional pumpkin pie and apple pie, I want to do something different. So I found this amazing recipe for apple pie ice cream sandwiches. They're made with uh, these really amazing snickerdoodle cookies. And then you do this crazy thing to ice cream where you're basically like folding in a pumpkin pie into ice cream. And then you're making an ice cream sandwich out of it. And I thought that's so much fun because You can pick up an ice cream sandwich whenever you feel like you want some dessert, and it's something that's just a little bit different. And if you know anything about me, you know that I like to do things a little bit differently. But Thanksgiving is also this time to reflect, to think about all the blessings that you're thankful for. And this year, I want you to be thankful for wherever you're at. No matter what debt you owe or how much or how little is in your bank account, Whether you missed paying a credit card payment and now your interest rate is some crazy number, or you just got a big fat raise and suddenly your money goals feel like a reality, like you can actually achieve things that you never thought is possible. Whether you want to purchase a house next year or you're renting a small apartment, whether you're driving a decade-old car that feels like it just barely is working, or you have this nice shiny new car with that amazing fresh car smell, Wherever you're at, I want you to celebrate it and I want you to embrace the stuff that's worked and the stuff that hasn't. As long as you're doing the best you can do, you're doing a good job. And this is something that I learned so hard. This lesson was years in the making for me of really appreciating wherever I was at. Whatever happened that year financially, just going, you know what? It's okay. It's where I'm at. And I'm being smart. I'm learning about my money. I'm taking steps. Every day I'm getting up and I'm trying and I have these big goals and I know I'm going to reach them. That's the best you can do rather than focusing on where you're not at, focusing on the goals you haven't achieved, focusing on the things that have gone wrong. For so many years, I had that mentality and it was so debilitating. It was stressful. It caused me anxiety, caused me depression. Every negative emotion around money, it was because I was focusing on the wrong things. I was looking at where I wasn't, the stuff that I didn't have, versus just looking at what was around me. And this may seem cheesy, and I know a lot of people talk about blessings around Thanksgiving, but if I can offer you any advice, if I can help you out in any way, it's that I can try to infuse in you the stuff that took me so many years to learn, the stuff that I see so many people hung up with when it comes to their finances, the stuff that gets in the way of relationships and and really is a stumbling block for you achieving the things you want to achieve, 99% of it is the stuff that's going on in your head. And if you could just be intentional and focus on the progress you're making, focus on the things that are ahead of you, 
I promise you, you're going to stay motivated. You're going to see things happen with your finances that you just, you just can't even imagine. So I want you to be intentional with what you want to achieve for the rest of the year. You've still got a few weeks to make some big changes, even some small changes. If you just want to tidy up a little bit about your monthly money system, or maybe your budgeting, or maybe you just got a little off track with your spending, you still got time to really put those actions in motion. But more than anything, I want to give you permission to be happy in the chaos and equally as happy in those blissful situations in your life. That is really where the magic is, my friend. We've only got one time around, as far as I know. As far as I know, we only go around this life one time. So just keep putting one foot in front of the other and being a good person. And I promise you, you're going to start seeing some progress. And so I really wanted to do something fun for this episode. I didn't want it to be full of heaviness. And I wanted to bring back a guest to the podcast that was so well-received. Catherine Spires, she's the host of the Smart Mouth Podcast. I love this podcast. It's it's a podcast about food history that cares mostly about food. She talks to some of the most interesting people she knows working in all kinds of industries about their favorite dishes. And it's it's a way of finding out what makes them think. And it, it, it was so inspiring for this episode because it really made me think about the power of food and how food can bring us together. And the whole idea of Thanksgiving that that we come together with people, with family, with friends that we haven't seen in so long around eating. And at that Thanksgiving table, we talk about all sorts of different topics, whether it's controversial topics like politics, God forbid, or money even, or religion, or relationships, or it's light and fluffy topics, things that are maybe a little bit more fun to talk about. Whatever it is, we're coming around this table and we're coming around food and it's the food that's bringing us together. And I thought, I really wanted to know more about the evolution of the Thanksgiving meal. You know, why do we eat what we eat? And of course, I needed to know why everything has to be pumpkinized these days. If you love pumpkin, I am absolutely still your friend. But I'm just saying, it feels a little crazy that absolutely everything has to be Pumpkin. Pumpkin works great in pumpkin pie, but pumpkin doesn't work great in everything. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. So anyway, Catherine is sharing some great tips on this episode to make the most of your Thanksgiving, including some tips to stay in budget and still be able to wow your guests. So Catherine, I am so excited to be hanging out at your place talking (laughs) about my favorite subject, food and of course friendsgiving. Yes, yes, the best holiday. Yes, um I mean I'm I'm obviously a big fan of of food and love Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving is this week so I thought what a better time to talk about maybe dig a little under the surface mm-hmm. of of Thanksgiving and you know we we sort of grow up and know that Thanksgiving is the turkey and the the cranberries and the stuffing and all of these sorts of things but how did Thanksgiving evolve into this? Uh, it took a long time. It actually <laughs> took a surprisingly long time. Like I had no idea until I started really researching it that it was a really regional holiday from the quote unquote first one up until like <laughs> World War II-ish. And it probably became more national at that point because people were feeling 
maybe more unified and patriotic than they ever had before. But when it started, it was probably in October was the first one. And the date was chosen fairly arbitrarily. And it wasn't chosen until the 1930s. Really? Actually, yeah. It was Franklin Roosevelt who finally had to like throw down the hammer on which day it was going to be. And there was one year where there were two Thanksgivings because um, Franklin Roosevelt and Congress were still fighting it out as to which one it would be. So you had to cook that meal twice <laughs> had to maybe right right some people probably did yeah no i wonder if it was like divided along political lines because he wanted it to be the fourth thursday in november and congress and business owners wanted it to be the third thursday in the month because they wanted a longer shopping period interesting so they were already thinking about that black friday thing before it ever became a thing yeah, and I don't know if the original intention was to have one particular day that's like actually a physical danger to people, but I think I mean it must have always been that the sense was that you don't think about Christmas. It's not proper to think about Christmas until you have Thanksgiving out of the way. Interesting. Yeah. So prior to that there wasn't an actual day or it wasn't a holiday? It wasn't a holiday. So it was starting to like sort of come together, kind of coalesce a little bit, and I I'm not sure when it it kind of they kind of retrofitted it where it was like, oh, it's November. It's autumnal. We'll eat a lot of squashes <laughs> when but we actually think based on like the letters and things like that, that the the first quote unquote Thanksgiving was in an October. So it just got moved back a little bit. But as I said, it was really regional at first because it really was a New England tradition, very specifically a New England tradition. And I think we sometimes see vestiges of that a little bit where I'm someone who's lived on the West Coast my whole life, but I am sort of aware in the universe that oysters are part of Thanksgiving for a lot of people. Really? Mm -hmm. And even having grown up in Seattle where we're not afraid of seafood, that is not part of my personal tradition. And even like sounds a little unappealing to me. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm thinking, yeah. hmm. Like, seafood on Thanksgiving? Mm -hmm. Oyster stew, oyster stuffing, as well as just the plain oysters, and then having lobster on Thanksgiving. If you look at original Thanksgiving menus, they're very New Englandy, And they're also, um, well, the original one was very meat-heavy. Hmm. And because they were just using what they had, and they were, they were colonizers and also settlers who didn't have a lot of material resources. So they weren't doing a lot of, like, baking or things like that, complicated cooking. They didn't have special tools. They didn't have all the delicious spices that Americans have access to now. So it was like, well, let's roast some animals. And call it Thanksgiving. Yeah, basically. They had pumpkins, not sweet pu pumpkins, but like as squash. And then the corn thing is really the only connection with Native Americans because corn was uh, a product that they did not have in Europe and had no familiarity with and really did have to be taught how to use that. But it's not generally believed that there were any Native Americans at this Thanksgiving feast. I, I, I think I could imagine that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know what we're taught in elementary school, but I don't think that's the reality of the situation. <laughs> that's probably a pretty good, a pretty good assumption. So even in modern day Thanksgiving, are we still seeing these like regional differences and on what's on our table? Yeah, absolutely. Like, you can see it even just by like if you follow food bloggers or food Instagrammers and the foods that they're choosing to cook. Sometimes you'll be like, well, I'll be danged. I've never heard of that before. There are so what's that guy's um, his name is Nate Silver and he has that website that's called like 538 or whatever it is. And he's always like um, doing polls and testing and seeing people's opinions are. And he did one a couple of years ago about Thanksgiving side dishes. 
And he said that on the West Coast, the most popular side dish was salad. Really? Yeah. Salad? I was like, you did something wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Salad is no one's favorite. (laughs) Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because, let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete.me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete.me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. 
I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. So one of the ways in which we can like trace changing food customs and food culture is macaroni and cheese. So growing up, I didn't know that macaroni and cheese was like a delicious a food. food. Yeah. Because <laughs> I really only knew about like craft macaroni and cheese because my little sister was obsessed with it and I didn't care for it. But macaroni and cheese has, I think, for a long time been um, a Thanksgiving side dish for African-American families in the South. And you can see it spreading. And this is anecdotal at this point, but I know that I made macaroni and cheese as my contribution to Friendsgiving last year. And that's someone who didn't grow up knowing that it could be like nice and elegant <laughs> and taste really good and like use spices and stuff like that. And I see now with the, you know, I follow a lot of food Instagrammers because it's like kind of my job to know what's up. And everybody's doing macaroni and cheese as a Thanksgiving side dish now. Really? Which is new. Yeah, very interesting. Are there are there any other food trends that you're seeing emerge this year? I mean, everybody seems to be a lot into like the vegan and the healthy stuff. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's just here on the West Coast. But are there any things that are really popping up? Well, people will say that they like to cook healthy. But, but they, they don't. don't. They absolutely don't. And I actually have real data to back this up. I mean, it's semi-anecdotal because it's just me. But however, when I was the food editor at KCT, which is a public television station, 
um, we posted so many recipes. That was part of our mission is people could like cook on their own. And we would always get requests for vegan recipes, just constantly. You would think that our vegan recipes would be through the roof, hits-wise. No. I can tell you what was popular, what people actually wanted to read about. Dessert and pork. Dessert and pork. Yeah. So you'll hear from people who say they want to eat healthy the most, but no one's ever clicking on those recipes. (laughs) So maybe they're just like asking for the recipes so they can feel better about themselves when they cook the dessert and the pork. (laughs) I think that you're onto something. I mean, there are like dedicated vegan bloggers and recipe writers, and I think that they're the ones who have the audience because general interest, everyone's just lying to themselves about what they actually want to eat. So I don't think, and I also think that people really want to feel like they're indulging on Thanksgiving. For a lot of people, there's a sense of like, this is the one day out of the year where I don't have to think about it. So generally speaking, I don't think there's any like health food trends. One thing that I am noticing though is actually about dessert. Um, It used to be, I think kind of like pumpkin pie or bust. Oh yeah. And maybe like an apple pie also to round it out. If you're like going to be dangerous. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. But I'm really seeing people move away from pumpkin pie as the dessert at Thanksgiving. You see so many other recipes that are marketed as Thanksgiving dessert recipes. Persimmons. I Persimmons are everywhere now. I mean, I think it's the same number that have been grown for a long time. But like you hear about them so much more. And I'm seeing all these really interesting looking recipes like a um, persimmon tart that I saw the other day. And I was like, that is really interesting. And persimmons are a little bit more difficult to work with than apples. But probably more rewarding if you like can figure them out and it's like a showstopper if you show up and you're like this is a persimmon tart people are like wow yeah yeah exactly and i think that as more americans um we're learning more about like the varieties of produce growing up i thought apples were only red delicious or granny smith but now farmers have started growing as many apples as there actually are. So I think we're also discovering like pink apples and how delicious they are and that sort of thing. So I think there's a lot more experimentation with, it's still usually fruit-based desserts at Thanksgiving because I think we like to stick to the whole nature's bounty theme. (laughs) (laughs) But using like all the fruits that are available in the fall, which are a lot more than we traditionally think of. So speaking of of pumpkin, mm-hmm. we we were just talking about this. You know, it feels like everything is pumpkin. Like we have to pumpkinify the whole. I mean, yes. even I saw a recipe for some pumpkin flavored turkey. I'm like, why do we want to turn our turkey into a flavor of pumpkin? But very strange. Do you have any interesting like data or stats or how this evolved that now everything is is pumpkin based? Well, it actually makes me wonder if the reason why people are moving away from pumpkin pie as dessert is because they're so used to it now. They can just have it anywhere else. Now it's not special anymore. But I do think that uh, the reason why the pumpkin spice flavor got so popular was Starbucks, which is either cool or terrifying, whichever way you think about it, that one company can change the way that we all eat. That's wild. Or like the anticipation that we have of like... The, the pumpkin spice latte is coming. It's coming. Right. Which, of course, is a classic marketing trick. You of course. hold things and then people lose their minds over it for no reason. And I do want to clarify, I don't think people necessarily always think about this. Pumpkin spice, there's no pumpkin in it. So it's just the spice flavorings that traditionally go into pumpkin pie. And our brains are only so smart. <laughs> if we eat the spice mixture that we're used to with something else. It's the same way why why people use tofu and then they'll put like barbecue spices on and say it tastes like barbecue. Yeah, because of the spices, not because of the actual main thing. 
So Starbucks like got us all riled up about pumpkin spice flavoring and we all went for it. And all the other companies want to try and get in on it. Why wouldn't they? Right, exactly. Probably to varying levels of success. All right. So you're the host of a podcast, Smart Mouth Podcast, which I love because I never thought about food history the way I do when I'm eating something now yeah. after after our conversation. Thank you. That's awesome. I'd love to know, you know, it sounds really obvious that food is this this unifying force or we can sit down to a meal and we can suddenly have these hard conversations mm-hmm. because food is there. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? What is it about food that is is this like force that can bring people together? It's a buffer. For one thing, like I, I was at a business meeting earlier where we were doing some negotiations, but like we kept like stopping to like figure out what we wanted to eat. Like you keep having these like friendly moments of being like, well, you owe me this much money. What are you ordering? Like, <laughs> <laughs> So it's like just like a nice little social barrier there as well. And if we're talking about home cooked foods as Thanksgivings normally are, you have to be polite to the person who's hosting you and who cooked for you and all that kind of stuff. And then there's just the fact that you these are people you might not see at any other point of the year, which, depending on people's personalities, is either going to mean like we're really going to get into it or like I'm going to be nice to you. <laughs> right. Which, we're not going to talk about that crazy topic. Yeah. Or, you know yeah. what? Game on. Cause, exactly. Cause that, that food's sitting in front of me and I feel like I could broach this topic now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know that there are some people who have real, um, let's call them lively Thanksgivings <laughs> every year with their family members. But yeah, I think it's and it's so communal and always has been. I mean, the whole idea of like coming together for this big feast is that everybody's sharing their bounty. So in a way, it's a way of making people nice to each other. Right. I am going to cook all this food and shove it in your face. And yeah. Then, and then you have to be nice. And you yeah. have to be thankful. And, exactly. And say good things about me this <laughs> Thanksgiving. Exactly. Yeah. Were your Thanksgivings or are your Thanksgivings now, are they big or small or how how do you prefer to do Thanksgiving? Medium sized. Well, I've never hosted my own Thanksgiving, so I don't have any like direct opinions on it. But the one that I usually go to is pretty medium sized, but sort of like contracts and, and gets bigger year to year. You know, people have kids and so some years they have to like start going to their parents' house again and all that kind of stuff. But it's usually like fits at one big table. And that's a nice size. I think the the main thing about hosting Thanksgiving is if you're hosting it, you have to do the turkey or whatever your main is. And then everybody else brings the sides. And actually, another thing that's cool about that is that you're eating food that you've never had before because people come from all different parts of the country and the world and they bring their special dishes. And you're like, well, I had no idea that this existed. So I love that. And that's another, you know, that's another point about why Thanksgiving is so beautiful too. You're just like learning so much. And as long as people can like keep their wits about them, it's always nice. So even if you're maybe not the best cook, but you at least take a stab at some dish that's a family dish or a regional specialty, you get a little props over just going to the store and and buying whatever it is you were supposed to bring because you're bringing some of your personality or you're bringing something to the table and yeah. Whether it's good or not, you know, that's all right. Well, it's funny, too, because you can see, like, who grew up in a household where you have to make everything from scratch and who grew up, like, dumping multiple things from various <laughs> cans and that counts as cooking. Because <laughs> both can be delicious, you know? So if you are at a Thanksgiving with people outside your family, you're getting, like, all these different traditions. And, like, there's, there's 
sort of canned food dishes that I discovered, like something called a corn souffle that is so delicious. And I only ever eat it on Thanksgiving. My friend from North Carolina brings it and it's my favorite thing. Never would have had something like that otherwise. Right. So it's, it's how you put it's how you put the ingredients together that really yes. makes a difference, especially when we're talking about about Thanksgiving. Yeah. And I love that you don't have if you're the host, because so many people want to host Thanksgiving, but they're so nervous about like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to spend thousands of dollars mm-hmm. to feed all these people. But I love the idea that you can really have this concept of Friendsgiving where it's not um, like a chore for everybody yeah. else, but you can really say like, hey, bring in something that that you love or something that you grew up with and, you know, bring it to the table. And somehow then that all evolves the Thanksgiving and just, you know. Yeah. I mean, and I think Thanksgiving, too, is a holiday where it's really it's not just culturally acceptable. It's encouraged to have it Pollock style. So that's good, too. Like no one should be afraid of hosting it because you're not you don't have to do everything. You'll get too stressed out if you think you do. So this is like a much friendlier way of doing it things. It takes a little pressure off of yeah. you. And for guests, too, if you really don't want to cook, you can always bring the wine. So you're set either way. <laughs> and you can't go wrong. If you're the alcohol bringer, people love that. People are more than happy to welcome you in. Yes. Yes. So tell me a little bit about Smart Mouth Podcast. Tell me a little bit about like the things you talk about. Is there like a favorite episode that you that you've had recently? I always like forget who I've talked to and what I've done. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, Jacques Papin, who is a chef who a lot of people recognize from like old school PBS. He's wonderful. He's been living in America for decades and decades, but he's French and still has the French accent. And talking to him was a real treat. So I did something different with him. It was more of an interview about his life because he's someone who remembers like growing up in occupied France and that sort of thing. So there's a lot to talk to him about there. But usually for every episode, I'm talking about the history of a particular dish with the guest. And ahead of time, the guests will tell me what some of their favorite foods are. And I sort of poke around and see which one might have the most interesting backstory to it. And then in the episode, I'm like, here are the facts about it. And then the guests can like tell me their anecdotes. And what I have found is that it's a different way into interviewing people. Because obviously, you know, here in L.A., a lot of people come through on like their book tours, etc. So people who are on junkets very famously get asked the exact same questions all the time. But with me, they can be like, oh, I, my mom made this dish growing up and it influenced me this way. So it's like a slightly different way in to talk to people, which I'm an extremely nosy person. So I like that <laughs> aspect of it. <laughs> That's so interesting. Wow. I'm going to have to definitely check out that episode because I'm a huge fan of his. And I can imagine just the wisdom that he brings and, yeah. and how the different dishes have kind of carried him through his through his life through his career yeah absolutely he's he's really lovely to talk to and he brought a bottle of rosé to the interview so (laughs) that as well (laughs) every interview goes so much better with yes with wine so if you could leave the listeners with with maybe one tip of of something they should be thinking about for thanksgiving whether they're cooking thanksgiving or they're going to their own friendsgiving or their family's thanksgiving what would you tell them there's two sides to me. There's the real fun killer side that is like really look into the history of Thanksgiving and how it's was extremely racist and all about colonizing. Like there's what we were taught in elementary school and there's what really happened. And there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that the United States is not the greatest country in the land. <laughs> I know we don't always like doing that, but just knowing the history. And once you know the history and know it's not great, you can really think about the things that you are grateful for and what you do want out of this holiday and sort of like, out of this country, big picture, <laughs> too. I think it actually makes for a more thoughtful experience, honestly. 
But in terms of the actual feast, like keep that part easy. Don't stress out about it because it's not meant to be stressful. And mashed potatoes are incredibly easy to cook and they're always a crowd pleaser. Just add more butter and milk and everyone's happy. And you you can't make a bad potato. I'm, I'm convinced you cannot make a bad potato dish. Well, the only way would be if you don't put enough butter and milk in it. <laughs> so I'm, I apologize to the vegans because I'm not speaking to you right now, but it's a real... Real friendly, dairy-heavy dish. <laughs> so just just go for it. Awesome. Well, tell the listeners where they can find your podcast and tune into all your episodes. So I'm on all the podcast players. It's just called Smart Mouth, which is two words. And then I am on social media. Let's see, on Instagram at Catherine underscore Spires. And then I keep a food-specific Instagram account at Smart Mouth Podcast. So do tell, where do you fall in the pumpkin debate? Are you pumpkin everything? Are you pumpkin nothing? What are you? I mean, I am, I love maybe one good piece of pumpkin pie, but that's pretty much my limit of pumpkin. But maybe I'm in the rare here. Maybe everybody loves pumpkin everything and I just need to get on the boat. I think this episode was so great. I loved hearing from Catherine and I've never really thought about the history behind food, but I think it's really fascinating, that idea of different cultures and the food that brings us all to the table. And in my mission to break down the taboos about money, maybe we can use food as this this thing that brings us together, that allows us to have tough conversations. Maybe try it around your Thanksgiving table. Hey, I don't know, start talking about money. Tell them a few things that you learned on this podcast. Might be an interesting experiment. Thanks so much for checking out this episode. Do me a favor, if you love this episode, share it with your friends. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And I'll see you back here in a few days for a fresh new episode. 